This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. The Bernstein and Holmes Show, middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Thank God you found us at 93.1 FM WXRT. I'm Lynn Bramer your best friend in the whole world. It's great to be alive. So let's start today with a songwriter who has been known to climb on the stage of the Metro as the Christmas Unicorn, a rare and beautiful creature costumed in stunning colors. And while you've heard all roads lead to Rome, some roads lead from Chicago. This is Sufjan Stevens. This is Chicago. Mike Rankin, thanks, I think. Uh, Not expecting that. It's the beautiful thing about Lynn, and I was talking a little bit about it on Twitter and working through some of it with Jason Goff last night when we were chatting on his pod. The thing about people like Lynn is... They give you so much that they give you some of the tools that you're going to need when they're not here. I think that's well said. I I think that's kind of what they're almost preparing you for. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and if so many, the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were, were given those things by Lynn, it was just, if it's possible for, a rock and roll DJ to be selfless. It wasn't he? He wanted to share his feelings about this music with you. I mean, it was it was off the air too. Like I can't tell you how many times I'd make a comment about a song that I heard and be like, "Oh yeah, but you got to know the the backstory of that." And then he'd pull me into his office and he and he he'd put something on. He's like, "If you thought that was good, wait till you hear this solo on this song that I used to listen to my sophomore year of college. This is Frank Zappa's best work, and no one's ever heard it." And it's it, it was it was that passion for it that he just 
He just wanted you to care about it and, and, and love it as much as he loved it. And you would see Lynn and you'd hear whether you wanted a, a radio story, like what radio was like. I, I still laugh and we joked a little bit about it when he was on House of L. The picture of Lynn after playing basketball and he doesn't have his shirt on and, jeans or something yeah and you know it's, it was kind of one of those sexy bad boys radio shoots and, and he's like Do you know how ridiculous like all of this stuff is like the idea of me as a sex symbol <laughs> and it's like well hey you know you you are people's friend and you're this incredible orator and storyteller and you connect, you make it so that people understand why they're connected to the music that they're connected to. And it wasn't just music, man. I, if, if you ever had the, the pleasure of being out to dinner with him and you knew that when the wine list arrived, there's one guy you'd hand it to and he, you knew you were in good hands. He's like, yeah, everybody trust me. And he was like, Im- Im- implicitly, we knew that that, that was going to the and, and just to sit back. I mean, and when you figure you go out to dinner with friends and I don't do any talking or I'm not going to do much of the talking because you just want to hear these stories and and you can never know what the next one's going to be and where it's going to take you. And it's uh, you, just when you thought you would hear yeah, I knew there's a lot of people that sort of exhaust all of their experiences and all their stories. He would you could see him remember something oh no there was the different time I'm like oh here we go and you you get that and you get that joy and it's like I'm gonna use a word that's not quite right but I always enjoyed that Lynn would kind of lurk in the hallways here. And you have to understand for those of you who don't know the score is on the same floor with BBM and B96 and Jams. XRT is on a different floor. So while the effort isn't tremendous, it still is effort for Lynn to just kind of hang out. I used to swing by. I, I used to once a week when he got back in the hours changed and I and it, it, the timing worked out, I would I would finish this show and I would always go by and wave, you know, knock on the door, can I come in in, in between songs? And we'd catch up and touch base and he loved to know how Jason's baseball season was going because he because you know, he, he a, loves baseball well, he was a pitcher in his own right yes so I mean he, he was a, a, of some repute yes in in New York and he he you know he loved loved talking about his high school baseball days because it was really important to him and informative for him really because his brothers were also really good at baseball and that's where that's where his passion for the game really came from because he was he was a left-handed pitcher who was real good Jason and I were talking, and, and the last time that Jay was here, remember when Jay was in studio with us? He went upstairs before he left. And he was saying that, you know, he didn't want to bother Lynn, but he just wanted to watch him. Because, like, these people that we're surrounded by, um, and, you know, I, I often talk about, like, my affection for Terry Himmer, and I'm not going to stop talking about my affection for Terry Himmer. Like, these are legends. Well, you and Terry are kind of kindred spirits as as educators too. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of that, and like I, she's one of those people where I feel like she helps me like figure stuff out, and she's so crazy with the sports stuff. Like mm-hmm. 
another, another great, great storyteller yeah. and great athlete where and the connections like, and Terry Himmer and I talk a lot about like Negro League baseball and and when you're around people like that like and I joke I always make her uncomfortable when I'm like yeah Hall of Fame literally in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and when you think about Terry Himmer or Lynn Bramer and you think that they liked our content like that means something like that just them i mean you're talking about about frank e lee and johnny mars and these guys yes that's still going strong that's what i'm saying about the cosign that happened between xrt and the score how it it mattered yes it really matters and and it still matters like it still matters to me that whenever i am in the presence of terry himmert for example she will say, I knew him when he was a baby. Oh, I, I always thought the connection made us smarter. Yes. Could, because XRT is smart person's music and, and the way it's presented and it, you know, no one's screaming at you and no one's talking to you like this. Or and it's, it's really smart people who know the music inside and out. And I think the next generation, too, where you know, if, you, if you look at where Ryan Arnold has has come from through the the, the DNA 100%. of the radio station. It's another person who is who is passionate about it, and it's, it's going to be in that next wave of you know, my my FMP one station that that is. And I'm because this comes as a friend and as an avid avid XRT listener too. So I mean I so 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 obviously <sighs> like dealing easy. with the passing of Lynn Bramer. For those of you who didn't know, he passed away yesterday. He had been battling cancer for a really long time and he had come back to the airwaves and like I was saying to Dan earlier I had felt like that was a sign that things were getting better and maybe it should have been a sign that things were getting worse that he he craved that connection that he had with XRT listeners and honestly with Chicago and think about it like this is a guy who grew up in New York he didn't grow up here but he's every bit of Chicago as anyone who was born and raised here. And that's that's it that's a gift to be able to do that. Like it's it speaks to Lynn's ability to connect with people on a personal level or on a grand level of when he's behind a microphone. It's the same guy. Like the guy who's in the booth is the same guy who's walking around in the hallways. It's the same guy that's at the Cubs game. It's the same guy that's just walking the streets of Chicago. And that authenticity that he brings to the gig. Yeah, I learned a lot from that. Is amazing. Is amazing. And then it's the deep, passionate knowledge of his purview. Understanding music. Being being craving to the learning more about the music, what this performer is about, how they play it. And Lynn jokes about being, Oh, you know, I'm kind of a failed musician. It's incredible. No, musician. He's, he's a, he's a wonderful guitar player. Incredible and, musician. Yeah. Like completely, completely gets it. But learning one's craft and then being able to share it with people the way that he did is the reason why 
I, I said it to Jay last night, like it, Chicago mourned yesterday. And it's a small thing, but seeing Lynn Bramer trending because so many people wanted to talk about Lynn and seeing it from all different angles and people around our industry, folks that aren't in our industry that were touched by Lynn Bramer and felt it necessary to say something about him because of all of the stuff that he's given us. There's just so many little subtle things to the way he went about his job too. And even though he, he, the, the, the wit and the awareness and the understanding of, of when to be earnest about a song and when to be a little sarcastic about an artist. And, and even though playlists have been corporately controlled and that's changed and the whole wild west of XRT, this sort of hippie college radio thing has changed as, as it's become a, a, a big money uh, radio station. He found ways to work around that. Mm-hmm. If you were listening really carefully and when you would hear fleet Fox's white winter hymnal, and the next song, and there's just a little pause, but the next song was the Mamas and the Papas. There's a reason for that. He's telling you something. He's telling you to listen for something. When there would be a, a Jack White uh, acoustic song, and then it's in. there's a certain Led Zeppelin riff that Jimmy Page is playing. There was a reason for that. And, and just pay attention. And, and there was a seamless flow to that. Even amid the playlist constraints that were there, he found a way to navigate those choices with, with the, the wit and awareness of a curator. I enjoy watching him. Like, because of the softball thing, we got to, I got to see Lynn interact. Like, you know, I'm the oldest guy on the team. Bob's the oldest guy on the team, but I'm close to being the oldest guy on the team. So I've known Lynn for forever, but there are people that, and I sent a video over to Cody because Cody is, Lynn would do these pregame speeches and Cody's in the background, just eating it up, like absolutely eating it up. So seeing Lynn interact with 20 somethings, new people to our business, like actually really caring about their lives and their backstories or, Hey, why did you bring this beer? Well, what's, what's that beer? I've never seen that beer. Where did you get it? Why do you like it? Like him asking those type of questions and just the re the reaction that he gets wherever he goes. It's, that's why I say like, at least, the, the beauty of Lynn is that because of the things that he's given us, it allows us to share those things with each other, and that helps. Like, it might not help a ton, but it helps a little bit to be able to share those stories and those feelings about him and celebrate him. And I love that he, I love that he, I wish I had more of it. And whenever someone passes away, I'm like, are there little things that I could add that will make my life better. His ability to be where his feet present are present. And that's why when you hear Lynn's been in the morning and in the afternoon, and he would, he would always have me crying in my car talking about parenting or talking about something that I, I wouldn't, 
that I didn't take the time to think deeply about, to be sort of recentered at these weird times and be and be touched emotionally, where you'd you'd go home and you'd walk in the house feeling different because of something he said and something he that he and Pete Crozier, who's brilliant in in his ability to produce those that should have been submitted for a Peabody at some point. They really and I know Mary Dixon had had, had said that that those those rose to that kind of level of broadcast work. And I, I, I hope that they're compiled and and saved because it was because he worked very, very hard on those. Th- those were labor intensive. It was a labor of love for him to do that outside of of being a DJ and being a Cubs season ticket holder and and being a, a concert goer and all that. So there seemed like there were three of them sometimes. But the uh, we'll do more. We will do. We will do. Yeah. We'll hear from Lynn in his own words and some of his what he what he felt about sports and all that. But I, I've got a football thought next. How about it? You? I do. I'm done with something. It's 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 Bears and NFL related. I'm, there's something with which I've decided I'm done. Okay, Dan's done with something football related. He will share it with you next. It's Bernstein and Holmes here on the Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I've always wanted to keep David. I, I love his mentality, how he plays the game. I told him that to his face, and it comes from, I mean, I, he's part of the identity that we had this year that kept us competitive. Now the second part of that is just the, the contract situation. That's something that we'll see how that goes and if we can find common ground I've, obviously I've learned that you can want a player and, and it, the value's got to come together for it to happen but right. I, I love the way that he attacked this season like that's a guy that does everything right and you all watched his tenacity his fight like I'm a big David Montgomery fan all right that's fine and I have no problem with David Montgomery being a part of the running back mix on a team. So that was a, an interesting choice of return audio there from Mike Rankin here on Sports Radio 670, the Bernstein and Holmes Show. By the way, Mike Rankin, Ray Diaz, Brandon Fryer, Connor O'Donnell. Hi, and, Mike Rankin. And, and all the folks. Hello, everybody. Lawrence is back from the desert. <laughs> Our friends in the desert. He was uh, yes. hiking and eating. And, oh, yeah. Ate great while I was there. I'd stay at a place that I was down I was in downtown Phoenix because I kind of dig what's happening in downtown Phoenix. And Odyssey Phoenix is right there. And it's literally next door to the place that I was staying. And there's a place on the bottom of it called Snooze. And I ate there four times. Snooze. It's a breakfast place. Um, and that's one of the things I don't I don't really get a chance to do with the schedule of this show. Like I don't eat breakfast breakfast you know you eat what you need to get through the day you don't sit down and have a meal and I love that they have a full bar and so every day I went back and I tried something different on the menu including some of the drinks and it was great because out there the show would end around 1 15 or whatever I'd be there at the bar at snooze at 1 19 <laughs> and I they were like, hey, you're back. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Norm. And then I'd try something different on the menu, and it was just great. They had, I'm not really a big like mimosa guy because I'm not really a champagne guy. They had a lavender mimosa that was incredible. They also did a Paloma mimosa, which was top notch. So shout out to them. If you're ever in downtown Phoenix, 
that snoozes has a couple locations, but the one that's right there in downtown on Central, great spot. Matt's Big Breakfast out there is also another cool place. Yeah, man, like that's a, I kind of it's very artsy. It's a good farmers market at the Churchill uh, on, on Saturdays and Sundays, and you get to see a lot of local art, and it's just so different. Dan, like ten years ago, you didn't want to be anywhere near downtown Phoenix. Good for them. And now they've built this kind of burgeoning artistic area, and it's cool. Like, like think about like there's a building, right? And on the front of the building, like a building as big as the building across the street. On the front of the building, there's a mural of Teddy Roosevelt because it's on Roosevelt Avenue. And I, I think te- was Teddy president when Arizona became Maybe. a state. I think that's I think that's the connection with Arizona and Nip. On the back of the building is James Baldwin. Oh wow. Yeah, that's how much things have wow. changed. in downtown Phoenix, okay. There's a mural across the street from that building that has Huey Newton, Malcolm X, and Bobby Seals on it. Yeah. Is, is there a, a, a toddler Kenny Williams in the back? No, he's not. Kenny's not in the back. Saying, in the Stay living- out of White Sox no, and Black was, Panther's business. He was in the living room. I know. Some of that stuff. I, was- you know what? Can I just tell you that that is one of the great like stories that really hasn't been told. Like people who are around Kenny know he'll he'll share like occasionally. And he and I have talked about it a little bit. But I'm like, Kenny, these are the types of stories that, you know, you should put out publicly. Yeah, like and he's you, like, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Oh, he it. should. He really should. I'm like, let's sit down Someday. for an hour and just let it record. And let's just do this. Yeah, for, for posterity. Even if you're not going to do yes! anything with it, at least record it, you know? So here, I'm I'm stealing this sports thought. We're watching, we've been watching a bunch of football off and on. I had, we had a lot of hockey this weekend and, and a lot of football. You know how it is if you're, you know, a hockey pair that you're watching. We're all sitting there on our phones, depending on the score of the game and trying to take everything in. So I didn't get to hear a lot of the broadcasters. I, I was watching some stuff with the sound off, but we we're in the car driving back from hockey and listening to some, and, and my, uh, my organizations win championships podcast co-host leans over and he says, you know what? That's what he said. I am done with slow ass running backs. (laughs) And I said, that is a great sports thought. And I'm stealing it because when you look at what the speed of your running backs, just hitting the hole, how it affects a game, we can celebrate blocking and assignment sound football and awareness and hands and toughness and yards after contact. But you know what? Give me a guy who can run. Give me at least one guy in my mix, and he might be a kid you just drafted in the third round. He might be somebody who wasn't getting enough burn on the team where he was. It doesn't have to be a star. But just give me running backs who can run. If you look this weekend, I, I don't know if anything would have mattered inside of the Eagles and Giants game, even though you had Gainwell and Sanders both pop big runs in the game. Gainwell with a 35-yard touchdown where it's gone. He's gone. Down the sidelines. But Isaiah Pacheco for Kansas City, the way that it, it's not just the speed, like I I the speed I want for sure. But I also want hit the whole go. Go. Like, 
attack the run. And it's against good teams. That hole's not there very long. And just because ooh, it closes, I can spin away and he grabbed me by the foot and I and the, and we applaud these these hard fought five yard gains. Sometimes I think, you know, if you had hit the hole, you could have fallen down for seven. And I think Christian McCaffrey's pretty good at that too. Fast. Like it's it's fast, but it's also decisive. I'm gone. Like I'm gonna hit that. And then when you're able to bring in Mitchell, you know what I mean? Like, you are you have to deal with some stuff. So, yes, I do think when you brought this up, I was sitting there going, I, I can see the vision of what the Bears were thinking with Valus Jones. That they were thinking that this is our version of that player. I'm just concerned about a couple of things, whether or not, He's a good football player, number one. Hang out of the ball, number two. And number two, whether or not he can hang out, hang on to the ball. Because if he can, you can you can see that he's got some stuff that takes the top off of defenses as a pass catcher. And as a runner, you can see he's got wiggle. Okay? Like, and it's just a matter of what what can you do with it and can you do it consistently enough. But yes, if you're building an offense, and that's exactly what the Bears are doing right now, if you're building an offense, go get the fast guy that isn't, he also ha- can't be afraid of contact. No, but the just this is how we're drawing this up. This is how it's designed. Hit this hole and go and get those chunk plays that demoralize the other team. Rather than needing a 16-play drive to get 80 yards. And this year, it was nice when the quarterback can just uh, rip off 60, 62, 58. That's nice. I don't want to have to rely on that. I want to know that's there, but I don't want to have to rely on it. And I know that some of those opportunities are going to open up if the defense is worried about the other guy being able to move to. Watching these games this weekend, there's stuff that I want to steal. I, I already told Anthony hearing about this because I want to ask him specifically about it. I love that the 49ers do the football equivalent of positionless football. It's it's like they can line up their guys wherever at any time. If I want to line up Christian McCaffrey at X, I can. They can split out Kyle Juszczyk. This is what I'm saying. I can I can put George Kittle in the backfield, and I can run off of that. I I can take Debo Samuel and line him up as my slot guy or my X or my tailback, and you have to then figure out. You've got to do the calculus of how am I supposed to deploy people who's got whom right and then what ends up happening is a player as good as Brandon Ayuk is one-on-one because you're like I have to make sure that I'm covered because you got run CMC over there there's Kittle what am I supposed to do with Debo and you go okay even though Ayuk can be a guy that takes an end around or takes a handoff they started to do some of that with Cole Komet this year he, they're they're building out the possibility that they may see that in the future. Now it's a rudimentary beginning, 
But if it makes you feel better, we did see some some of that. Hey, let's try this. Let's try that. But but now what I want, at least for the Bears, is it's it's identifying players that have those skills. And a lot of times those players were knocked as gadget players because they could kind of Swiss Army knives because they could do a lot of things. And I think that if you do it correctly, the value of that type of player makes your offense infinitely more valuable. If you're not going to have the dominant X, okay, if you're not going to have Saquon Barkley as your tailback, can you find a collection of guys that can kind of do a little bit of everything well enough? They, they've got... B and B-plus grades on everywhere that you put them. That just lifts the floor of your offense so quickly. And and all of these guys, too, like their ability to be smart. It's not just that they're talented. They understand the geometry of what it is that they're doing and how they're making defensive coordinators uncomfortable. Like, I, I was sitting there thinking about it, and, and I thought that, it was a great job. It was really good defense that was played yesterday by both teams in, in the NFC game. But I kept thinking about what do you do if you're going up against the 49ers? Who do you say you're going to stop? I think the answer the is... Answer's Kittle. No. I think the answer is I'm attacking your quarterback. Right now, until they get... Until Purdy turns into a dude... If he does. Or, right. Or I'm they, not sold. I'm not either. Or they find a dude. I'm going to attack him. I'm going to try to force him into mistakes. But, but the ball's out so fast. Exactly. I mean, these are running plays. They're basically extended running plays where he's not taking a lot of risk of the ball in the air. So he's. I think they know that that's what's coming. I mean, that, that's Micah Parsons out there. Hip tossing a, a, a 320 pound tackle like he's nothing. I mean, that was flipping him. That was Reggie White esque. Khalil Mack. Yeah, that's come get some. Like, and that was after coming off a block. Like, right? You're not supposed to be able to do that. And he's kind of the, he's what I'm talking about on the defensive side. Where would you like for me to line up? Well, on this play, how about defensive end? Okay. What about this play? Middle linebacker. All right. When we come back, can we just make fun of the Cowboys just because yeah! just to do it? Let's do that. Everyone else is doing yeah, it. Yeah, I'd like to pile on them because it's fun. Let's do that. Okay, good. That's next. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. So Zeke Elliott over the football. He's going to snap it to Prescott. Prescott back to pass. Throws left. Caught by Turpin. Hit and dropped. After all that, they throw it to Turpin. Tackled to the 30. And the game is over for a second straight year. The 49ers are going to the NFC Championship game. What the hell is that? I don't know. I know there are a whole lot of dismayed looks and a whole lot of discomfort on those sidelines and hearing the Westwood One call of Brett Maher kicking that first extra point into the pile and wondering, oh, yikes. And it looking like it was not going to be good even if it had oh, not really? been blocked. I didn't see it. I only heard the call of it. They didn't say that. He straightened it out, though. 
Hey, Dan, you remember when Ryan Pace was like, you know who's done? Robbie Gold. Still doing We're it. We're up about that. Still doing it. There's, uh, and the velo isn't there like it used to be, but he's still getting it there. Did you still see the enough. tackle that Robbie made yesterday? Where Robbie was like, you can, I'm not messing up this face because I'm going to be on TV, but you can run right into my back and fall over. And it was a big, important tackle. That's better than like the, the Tom Brady sweep the leg. Yeah, there's been a lot of guys, the quarterbacks are out here trying to trip people and grab ankles and all sorts of other stuff. Tom and, and Josh Allen and, of course, the dirtiest player in the game, Mac Jones. Northeast, apparently. That's a thing that they, they're doing up there. The Cowboys yesterday. And I know that, that they are a ratings bonanza for any national show. I don't know how people here in Chicago feel about the, the Cowboys, but it's just bizarre. When you watch the their end game, and I don't mean their end game like Avengers end game, but their end game process at the end of last year's playoffs and again this year. And you go, what? What were you thinking? So with the play at the end, I get the concept of we need another athletic person on the field because we're going to do all of the lateral stuff. So let's have Zeke out there with the rest of our people. But they didn't think through the concept of splitting everyone out wide when the 49ers are in prevent. <laughs> but and the thing is, you've the first pass that starts your sort of kinetic lateral reaction. Like if you haven't practiced for the idea of if nothing else, get it started. Like that's all you got to do is get the whole silliness started. And if you can't do. <laughs> Just looks so ridiculous. I like, love. Oh, here we go. No, I no, love no. that the 49ers were like they took a second and they were like, "Wait, okay, Zeke's the center. Oh, all right. He's as big as one. Let me run up on him then, because we're not gonna. We weren't gonna necessarily rush the passer, but if you're gonna put a running back at center." Let me show you what happens when that happens. And guess what? If you go and look at it, it actually messes of the play. He hurried it out. Yes, because it because Zeke's in his lap. <laughs> because, 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 and Dan, I texted, I texted Olin because it was so funny to me. Like I kept watching it and watching it. If you watch the play, Zeke does a, a really good job of snapping the ball. So let me give him credit for that. But he stood up and shuffled his feet. He put his hands up and he shuffled his feet like he was doing a demo of how to play center. A really terrible one. And then he's just driven to the ground and into Dak Prescott's lap. And it's upset the timing of the play. The ball comes out hot. So the guy has to jump, and you can't do the thing where you pass it to this guy, and this guy throws it behind his back, and all of that because you were dumb. And now Mike McCarthy's job is safe, according to the latest Jerry Jones grumblings? Yeah, it, it, although, okay. although 
Sean Payton is lurking. He's a better coach than Mike McCarthy. He is. He's a better coach than Mike McCarthy. not saying much. And he does have that relationship with the Cowboys because he was an assistant there. I'm sure the afternoon show will have some thoughts on it. I guarantee you. I'm sure that Danny will have, because he's right. Like, it's, the thing about Mike McCarthy is that he's just, he He's you know not what? a smart man. Yes, that feels it it feels that way. He probably is, but it just feels like he's not. And Dak is a very flawed solid quarterback that sometimes goes to the zoo. And he goes to the zoo at the absolute wrong time. Now I know that part of it is that defense for San Francisco is no joke. And D'Amico Ryans deserves every interview that he's going to get because they just got got. Did you see Fred Warner doing the, the Brian Urlacher thing yesterday? Where it's like, hey, can you cover CD Lamb? Yeah. Sure. What do you want me to do? Well, we want you to be near the line of scrimmage, and then you're going to back out, run, and you're going to ride him up the scene. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he just did it. He's like, I've seen that before. That's what the really special middle linebackers can do. When you got talent like that, you got Hufunga out here. He's a missile, man. We saw we saw him in the first game of the season against the Bears. Go, wait a second. Who the hell is this guy? We spent a whole segment just singing the praises of of Hufunga, thinking, oh my goodness, guy, where do you get one of those? Yeah. They're just loaded. Like they're they're really fun to watch, and they've got all the things. Like whether how how is it that you can get rid of a player as dominant at the three technique position as DeForest Buckner, and then just say, "Well, we cloned Armstead. He we basically have the same guy, and in fact, we kind of have two of the same guy to replace DeForest Buckner." This this San Francisco thing is so much fun to watch on both sides. And they gave Dak his money, and he deserved his money considering where the marketplace was. But he's just so flawed. And I wish he's one of those guys that I think has been, um, how can I say this? I think that he has become too comfortable in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And playing out of the pocket when he's got ability to be outside of the pocket. And he's not using it enough. He did against the Bears. Like when you watch the Cowboys game against the Bears, you saw Dak make plays with his feet. Well, and it's weird because we're usually telling guys, do that. Like stay in the pocket and make plays in the pocket. With Dak, I think that there's a level, there's a... a, a equilibrium of him using his feet a little bit more and maybe not putting himself in position where he's throwing off of his back foot out to the sideline so it can get picked or getting less than a perfect look at the window into which he's throwing just because of of all the the mess that's in front of him sometimes you can just just enough to make yourself to get yourself a better angle a better sight line take take the five yards i love this this uh, thought from the 847. 
who says the 49ers response to the Cowboys final play was the equivalent of Indiana Jones just shooting yes! the scimitar wielding swords. Yes. yes. A hundred. You, that is a great call, That's Texter. awesome. Yes. Where the music, like, and all of a sudden the camera pulls back and he's going through the, and the reason for it, there was supposed to be a sword fight. There was a, a choreographed sword fight that was supposed to ensue, but apparently on the day of shooting, Harrison Ford had some stomach problems. Oh. According to legend. And he just rolls his eyes and shoots it. And that's the perfect way to deal with it. <laughs> yep. Hey, you want to do all this dumb stuff? This window dressing stuff? All right, cool. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to attack the guy that you have out there snapping the ball. We're, we're going to send our Sam linebacker at him. And we're going to tell him to destroy him. And he did. And he deposited him in your quarterback's lap and messed up the timing of your stupid play, your annexation of Puerto Rico play that you're out here trying to run. When we come back, Anthony Heron will give us his thoughts. And they're always worth staying around for. So do on the score.